guys, we're in the middle of the pandemic and these are trying times. It's hard on our mental health, our mental state. And this is why I love our sponsor today, BetterHelp. They're the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. It's brilliant. Sign up today. Go to betterhelp.com backslash solving healthcare and get 10% off sign up fees. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Podcast Nation, welcome back. We are hustling. Episode 81 with the one and only Dr. Julie Fouché. I gotta I want to just give some love straight up to Jen Crichton and Pete Shaw. They introduced me to Julie Fouché. I had no idea how legendary Julie is. You guys are gonna love this episode. She is one of CrossFit's all-time most successful athletes, straight up. She's a physician, and she's all about preventative medicine, talking about how we can use fitness and nutrition to put ourselves in better spots, not just in COVID, but in just in life in general, to be able to battle illness, to improve our mental health, our physical well-being. She's fantastic. She hosts this great podcast with her husband, Danny, Pursuing Health. I honestly think you guys are going to, Love this episode. We focus a lot on lessons she learned from being a CrossFit athlete, you know, in terms of, you know, work ethic, nutrition, being physically active, and how that translates into being a, an excellent physician uh, and healthcare provider. We also talk about her experience of teaching CrossFit to docs, which I thought is just amazing. It's really a way of promoting, a, a smart way of promoting health. And lastly, we talk about her cl- her future clinic. Or, or she's just a recent graduate from from medicine, but you know what it will look like to be focusing on preventative preventative medicine, implementing health coaching, all these kind of measures that are going to try and get our people healthier overall. And so, without further delay, I'm so excited, Dr. Julie Fouché, Quadcast Nation. We have an exciting episode today. We got Dr. Julie Fouché, CrossFitter, host of the podcast Pursuing Health, all around warrior, Dr. Fouché. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I've been so excited about this. We have a mutual friend, Jen Crichton, yes. who got us linked up, who is all about fitness, all about trying to think about our approach to chronic disease. And so mm-hmm. somebody with such experience, this is going to be great. So maybe we could just start like how you got interested in all this, like especially with such an athletic background, how you got into medicine, how you got into your pursuing health and ventures. Yeah. It's a great question. And I still sometimes pinch myself every day to think about how everything played out to get me to where I am because 
it's sort of interesting how it all happened. But I think I knew I wanted to go into medicine from a pretty early age. Like I think sometime in high school, I first started thinking about it. In college, I studied engineering because my dad wanted to make sure I had a good backup plan in case <laughs> med school didn't work out. And I studied biomedical engineering, but really, and I explored different opportunities like maybe working in industry or doing research. But for me, it was really the physician-patient relationship that was so interesting. And that's what led me into medicine. And around the same time that I started applying to med school was when I thought CrossFit. So growing up, I'd always been active. I did gymnastics. I did track and field through high school. And then my first couple of years of college, like a lot of people, once you don't have organized sports, you feel a little bit lost and you don't really know what to do with yourself. So I would spend a lot of time at our well, rec center just going on the elliptical or riding the bike while I'm reading my biochemistry notes or using the various machines. And it just never really felt totally fulfilling to me. Like I knew I was supposed to be, my body was made to move and I knew that there was maybe something more out there. So when I first heard about CrossFit, it was like instantaneous. I knew this is exactly what I've been looking for because it pulled together a lot of different things that I like to do with conditioning, with gymnastics, running. And it was interesting. It was something different every day. When I walked into a CrossFit gym, it felt a lot like going into the gymnastics gym when I was younger. You had a lot of people to work out with, you had a coach kind of leading you through and telling you what to do. So it was really a good fit right off the bat. And initially, I was just doing it for my own health. I thought, this is great. Use this to get in shape. And just personally, it had such a huge impact on me because I think when I didn't have those sports, the first couple of years of college, exercise for me came a lot more about like burning off calories. So I'd be thinking, oh, like, what did I eat today? How many calories did I burn? And with CrossFit, it totally took that away. And it was a lot more about, okay, what is my body capable of? Can I set new PRs? Can I lift more weight? Can I do this workout faster? And it took the focus again away from what your body looks like or burning calories and more about what your body can do. So, so just right off the bat, it had a huge impact on me personally. But then when I got into it was when the CrossFit Games were really starting to grow. So that was in 2009, which was only the third year of the CrossFit Games. And I remember watching some videos online of these women competing and thinking, wow, they're amazing. I can't imagine ever being able to do that. But one thing led to another. And over the course of about a year, I sort of surprised myself at a lot of local competitions and then qualifying competitions and ended up myself at the CrossFit Games in 2010, which was kind of crazy. Yeah. So it was like these parallel things were really happening together, this like applying to med school and then also starting my CrossFit Games career. Wow. And I got to say, like as an outsider, like I've never done CrossFit. I've only done some of the workouts at home, but never like fully dove into it. Yeah, yeah. Like it looks so intense. It looks so draining. It looks like so challenging. And I almost felt like seeing that, like it would be a full-time career almost to be able to try and compete. So how did you manage to do this and at the same time pursue medicine? Yeah. So that's one of the things that I think we can do a lot better job of as a CrossFit community is showing people that it doesn't always have to be super intense and super crazy, right? That's what you see when you watch the CrossFit Games on TV. But for the average person, like that's such a small percentage of what CrossFit is about, right? And I think this is why I became so fascinated with it. And it became such a big part of my life, not just from a competitive standpoint, but also from medicine standpoint. It really influenced a lot of where I'm going in my medical career. So to answer your question about the competition aspect, back then in 2010-11, people were not necessarily training as much as they are today. I would say for sure today, 
it's a full-time job for sure. If you're not training, you should be recovering. You should be focusing on nutrition or other things that all go into your training. But back in 2010, I was still in college. I could have classes. I would probably train a couple hours a day. And then my first year of med school was actually one of the hardest, definitely the hardest year that I've ever had because I knew I sort of set for myself the goal that I wanted to compete in the CrossFit Games that year. And I wanted to do med school. And I had seen my husband actually went to the same med school as I did. So I'd seen him go through it the year before. And I kind of knew what the timing was going to be like. And I knew it was possible. But I knew it was going to be really hard. And it was. I didn't have any social life. I didn't have a lot of balance. It was basically like school from 8 to 5, gym from like 6 to 9 or 10, and then come home, study a little bit, and do it all over again. And so I don't think it was necessarily sustainable for me. It was difficult that year, but I'm really glad I did it. And it really also helped me kind of grow as a person because when things got really hard, I had to really take a step back and think about why am I doing what I'm doing? And is this, you know, do I really want to compete? Do I really want to go to med school and answer those questions for myself? And that made things a lot more meaningful and a lot easier. And actually that year, I ended up doing the best of all the four years that I competed at the Games. That was my best outcome. But then I did get lucky with some of the following years because I knew in my med school program, we all did a year of research. So it was a five-year program. I knew I would have a research year coming up. And I actually ended up extending my research year over two years so that I could spend some more time focusing on training and doing the research. And that was what allowed me to compete for so long while I was in med school. Wow, that's incredible. So one of the questions I had would be, how did this affect your approach to medicine? Because as you mentioned personally, there's got to be so many lessons. Like mm-hmm. I work out a lot by myself and I'm getting to the end of a set. I'm just like, okay, it's done. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, I don't maybe push as hard as someone like with your background. And so like that personal pursuit, that personal accomplishment, like how does that translate to some of these lessons into either your practice or what you teach to your patients? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I always say that CrossFit in general, I think, teaches us a lot of life lessons because it's just you're having to do things that are uncomfortable. You're having to push through things. You're having to do things that are outside your comfort zone, learn new things. You're overcoming barriers, building confidence. But I think training for the CrossFit Games, you kind of get on the fast track learning a lot of those lessons just because you're doing it so much more frequently. And I think for me, a lot of it had to do with just like putting in the hard work and not getting overwhelmed by the long-term outcome. It's easy to think about, oh, I have to be able to do this a year from now at the CrossFit Games. And that can be very overwhelming. But if you just look at, okay, here's the training that I have to do today. And here's like step one. This is my warm-up. This is all I have to focus on right now. And I think in medicine, that helps me a lot because it can be very overwhelming when you think about everything you have to learn, everything you have to do. And it just really helps me to just be in the moment and like chip away. Here's the next thing that I have to do today and focus on. And then from sort of a bigger picture perspective, how it influenced my path in medicine, because like I said, CrossFit was about a lot more than just competition. At its core, it's really about helping people be healthy and helping people live long lives that are active and functional. And so I remember the first time that I took my introductory CrossFit seminar, it was about a year after I had been doing CrossFit. And I think it was right before, around the time I was applying to med school. And part of the seminar, they they define CrossFit and then they define health. And one of the models they used to define health is this sickness, wellness, fitness continuum. So you can imagine like a continuum of sickness on one side, wellness in the middle, fitness on the other side. And you can kind of place people anywhere along that continuum based on a variety of biomarkers or fitness markers. You can think about, you know, like 
a well of blood pressure, if you go to your doctor and you have a blood pressure of 120 over 80, we're going to say, great, looks like you're doing really well, your lipids or your body composition or whatever it might be, A1C. But if you have one that's more on the sick side, you're kind of over there. And then also you can have one that's on the well side, like maybe your blood pressure is 110 over 70 or 110 over 60. That's great. And you can also put fitness markers on there too, like maybe a mile time. Maybe if you're well, you can walk a mile or jog slow mile. If you're sick, you probably can't even walk a mile. And if you're really fit, you know, you've got the fastest people in the world running a mile in a couple of minutes. So anyone falls along this spectrum and the goal is to help push people towards the fit side of the continuum. So the more the closer we are to that fit side of the continuum, the more buffer we have against disease or any kind of event. So for example, COVID-19 is a great example. If something happens, if you get sick, if you catch COVID-19 and you're over here on the fit side of the continuum, you're probably not going to fall very far because you have all this resilience. You're probably going to be able to fight it off without getting really sick. But if you're kind of hanging out in the well area, maybe like well between well and sick and you get an infection, it can really take you out because you don't have that reserve. Same thing goes if you get in a car accident or you get cancer or any other kind of injury or insult, the goal is just to build up that reserve. And so when I heard that explained to me, it was like light bulb moment. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I was like, I want to be. I'm getting excited <laughs> hearing you just say that. I'm like, my mind is being like, yeah. I have so many ideas and things I want to say, but absolutely. <laughs> I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. So it just totally changed the way I thought about health. And that was kind of always in the back of my mind as I started going through med school. And by the time, probably after my first or second year, it just became really clear that I really wanted to be more on the preventive side of medicine. I enjoyed being in the hospital. I think it was really interesting. And it's amazing to see like how quickly people can change course and how resilient our bodies are and how the amazing interventions that we can do in medicine to help people when they're really sick. But for me, I just thought, wow, I think I can have a really big impact, especially given my sort of position in the CrossFit community and as an athlete by really focusing on the preventive side of things. And that's what really drew me into primary care. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm really excited about it because you and I are on the different ends of the spectrum. Like yeah. I'm in the ICU, so I see the very tail end of when people are sick. And I can't reinforce what, what Julie was saying about that resilience, that buffer you have when you're fit, when you're stronger. We see it all the time. Like I had a mm -hmm. neighbor that had, and he doesn't mind me saying this, but he had a pretty significant injury and mm -hmm. needing to be in the intensive care unit. And he is over 70, goes to the gym five days a week. Okay. That's awesome. Someone that had that level of injury that was hospitalized for that length of time never gets home. Like honestly, mm -hmm. never gets home. But because they had that foundation, like I know he wouldn't be home right now. He wouldn't be with his grandkids. He wouldn't be with his loved ones. Wow. And this is what I think we, we got to get people excited about because not only is it important to have that fitness level or that health level, but there's also some psychological benefits, mental health benefits. Like, you know, you realize that you could accomplish so much. Yes. Yeah. I love what you're saying. Yeah. It's such a powerful story. And I'm sure you see it all the time. Just the difference in the course that people can have when they come in with more of that reserve. Yeah. And this is maybe a tough question on a philosophical one, but what can we do to get people more excited about this? Like, I mean, because one of the drivers for me, like, I won't lie to you, one of the drivers of having you on the show and talking about this has been COVID-19. And like, yeah. as a frontline, see COVID on a regular basis. It is clear to me 
that if you aren't healthy, you're less likely to survive this thing for sure. And especially the metabolic health side. Personally, I'm not seeing marathon runners, CrossFit people in the ICU with COVID-19. This is not what we're seeing. We're seeing chronic Mm -hmm. illness, diabetes, hypertension, obesity. Those are the patients that we're seeing. I know it's a tough one, but do you think it starts from we need to be introducing it more at med school? Do we need to be more of a public health thing? Like, what do we got to do to like get people more involved? I know that's such a great question. I think that so many people are trying to figure out, but I completely agree. I think it has to come from a lot of different places, right? I mean, it's so embedded in in so many different ways in our healthcare system to be more reactive. And that comes down to a lot of like, at least here in the US, that comes down to like our insurance structure, it comes down to like food industry, all those things. And then our education, you know, it's influenced a lot. Like we don't learn about this stuff in med school. We don't learn, we get very little exposure to nutrition or exercise or sleep or stress. I think there's definite efforts now to improve that, but it's really, really, medicine is very slow to change. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's also just in general, our kind of culture. I mean, there's so many ways, like our school systems, like this is stuff that everybody should know. It shouldn't have to be coming from the healthcare system. Like we should be learning this stuff in school as we grow up. We should be getting access to healthy food and school lunches. There's so many different ways that we should be aligning our incentives to make it easy for people to make the good healthy choices instead of making it easy for us all to make less healthy choices just because we have a toxic food environment and things that are maybe more convenient but aren't necessarily good for our health. Absolutely. And one of the things that I'm keen to hear your opinion on, I'm always about like how to do things most efficiently or what will give you the biggest bang for your buck. So whether that's through your what you've learned through CrossFit or through your own education, what do you think would give us the biggest bang for your buck, whether that's fitness, whether that's sleep, whether that's nutrition, because you guys cover a lot of that on Pursuing Health on your podcast, but I'm interested to hear what your opinion is on it. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to pinpoint to like put prioritize of those things. I always talk about nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress, and relationships. And I think they all have such a huge impact on our health. And it probably depends on the person and like where the balance of those things are for the individual. But I think two of the things that are probably most neglected would be sleep and stress. I think we tend to put so much focus on nutrition and exercise. And really, if the sleep is terrible and it's not dialed in and you're not getting enough sleep or you're constantly under incredible amounts of stress and you can't get out of that fight or flight mode, no matter what you do with your nutrition and exercise, it's going to be really hard to get out of that hole. So I think those are probably two things that are really underestimated, I think, by the general population about how big of an impact they can have on our health. Mm -hmm. And literally, it affects it all. Like, I feel like, Mm -hmm. yeah, when it's recovery, acute illness, all these things, if we're in that flight or flight mode, yeah, I totally agree. Have you found either, whether it's personal or through your show or your readings, like anything that works well that you can find for people in terms of managing that stress and the sleep? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I would say this personally too, just really taking the time to make sure you have a good sleep routine and sleep environment can go a long way. So my husband and I decided, well, it was more him. He was much more proactive about it. I'll give him the credit. Like made sure that we completely blacked out all the windows in our bedroom. And that was especially helpful. Like when we were in residency and on call and had to like sleep during the daytime hours, but blacking out all the windows, 
making sure that the bedroom is cold enough because temperature is really important from being able to get into deep sleep. And then having some sort of like, even if it's, it doesn't have to be long, but some sort of like wind down routine at night where you're putting your phone away. Like we always keep our phones outside our bedroom or put them on airplane mode at least half hour, hour before we're going to bed so that we're not looking at them right before we're trying to go to bed. Maybe putting on some like more relaxing music or reading or doing some sort of wind down so that you can help your brain kind of unload and stop racing all those thoughts when you're trying to fall asleep. Sometimes people like to do like a hot shower or sauna or something like that to help as well. But just having a really solid sleep routine, I think can go a long way. And I noticed it. So when we had this sleep routine and then when we just recently moved and so we were staying in a few different places that, you know, the sunlight would start to come in the windows in the morning or different things. And I noticed I was waking up all like a lot during the night, just I think because of that light. And so something that I probably didn't realize how big of an impact it was having until I was in another environment. So that would be what I would say for sleep. And then for stress, I think... Again, it's so hard to do because when you're so busy and you're so stressed out, you think the last thing you have time for is to to do anything relaxing, but that's probably when you need it most. For me, I try to just protect, like a lot of times during residency, it would just be a couple minutes of breathing or meditation in the morning right after I woke up to make sure that it was something that I always did. Or sometimes I would do it in the car, like get ready, go to work wherever you're supposed to be. And if you can get there a couple minutes early and then just do a few minutes of meditation or breathing in the car when no one's there to bother you, or just prioritizing things that are important, like going for a walk in nature, spending time with your loved ones, making sure that that time is there and you're prioritizing it every week. Yeah, I love it. And what I like about what you're saying, Julie, is is the fact that a lot of the stuff you're saying isn't hard. I mean, aside from blackout blinds, depending on, I mean, I would argue that it's an investment worth making. We do that yeah. at our house too. Like, absolutely. Oh, and we didn't get anything fancy. We literally bought, like, you know, that black poster board, like the fixed poster board that you can get at the store. And we just yep. cut it and taped it over our window. So you don't have to get anything fancy. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Exactly. So like a lot of these things are inexpensive, practical, and can go such a long way. Like we just finished an interview with Kirk Barsley. And one thing that I left that interview was that one, I don't sleep enough, but two, like it really (laughs) is the foundation. Like it really is. Like I think recovery, when you talk about mental health, when you talk about all these things, it comes down to that. Like, and for the stress management too, like I think we're in a, a go, go, go environment. In some ways, COVID has allowed us to slow down a bit. But mm-hmm. taking that time, especially a lot of busy people, a lot of, like, I mean, us docs, like you got a stressful mm-hmm. life, but it's self-care, self-care, self-care. Like, yeah. I'm assuming similar to you, Julie, like when going to the gym, you like when you're, all you're thinking about is like pushing weight or making that time or whatever, like that's the focus. You're not thinking about that exactly. for us, the kids yeah. or whatever stress inducing things going on in life. So yeah, it's a really great point, actually. One other thing I would do for stress, it's super easy that I've implemented a lot is, have you ever heard of four, seven, eight breathing or just some simple breathing? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's an easy one that you can do throughout the day. Like I would do that. So maybe you know, we could I, explain that for our people. Yeah. So basically just four, seven, eight. So you're taking four seconds, you're breathing in for four seconds, you're holding your breath in for seven seconds, and then you breathe out on an eight count. And you just repeat it maybe three or four times. And just that will really signal that kind of breath pattern will signal your parasympathetic system to kick in. 
and helps to break that fight or flight cycle. So it's something you can do, like do it once or twice if you're going into an important meeting or if you're having a stressful day in clinic and you, or you walk into your next patient, it can really work wonders. I do it all the time. Or if you're having trouble falling asleep, it works great too. It is magical. We're actually doing a show with Nestor on breathing because awesome. it was one of the best hacks I've had in life. There's a bug in that top five was Patrick McEwen. He has a book called Oxygen Advantage. I don't know if you've ever come across it, but it, it just okay. tells you about the value of how improving the way you breathe can impact mm-hmm. so much things in life. Like you got those allergic kids like that always yeah. are breathing through their mouth, look like creating a setup so they're starting to breathe through mm-hmm. their nose again. You'll notice that everything health-wise will get better. The dentition gets better. The shape of their mm-hmm. jaw gets better. Their sleep gets better. And so like slowing down your breath and just allowing you to have a more parasympathetic tone, that more relaxed mm-hmm. tone can go an absolute long way, whether it's sleep, whether you're stressed in the moment. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff out there too, like a Wim Hof too. I don't know if you come yeah. across that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's amazing. It's insane. Actually. I'd love to have him on the show. Actually. That would be amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. And we don't learn about any of this stuff in med school, right? Yeah. And like, to be clear, like even the way you breathe, even your athletic performance, like this mm-hmm. is the stuff I love, like this Patrick McEwen's book, talk about how you can just condition yourself to by breath holding to improve your cardiovascular it's amazing. It's like if you're doing a heavy set of like deadlift, say you do three just three reps mm-hmm. or whatever, and you hold your breath the whole time, you'll notice your heart rate will be a bit higher, you're a bit mm-hmm. more exhausted. Yeah, that's improving your metabolic profile. So yeah, I love the whole breathing aspect of things. That's a very good hack, actually. Oh, yeah. What about, you know, because in the CrossFit world, you guys actually cover a lot on nutrition, like mm-hmm. as part of how to enhance health. And I'm wondering if you with all these years of exposure, had an opinion on how we're approaching nutrition, not only for like extreme athletic performance, but just mm-hmm. in society in general, because we've been covering that a lot lately. So I'm, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this. Sure. So I can give you, this is sort of CrossFit nutrition prescription is to eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch and no sugar. So if you kind of unpack that, the key is you're eating real food, right? And I think that's probably the common theme that you'll hear when, no matter who you're talking to about nutrition. Obviously, it can be a very polarizing topic. You've got vegans and vegetarians over here. You've got keto and paleo over here. and Lots of things to argue about at the nuances, but the key is really eating real food. And I think that's what we've gotten away from as a society where we're eating so much processed and packaged food that's really not nutritious for us. It doesn't really have much nutritious value at all. It's only sort of feeding and setting this scene for chronic disease. And so if there's one thing, if someone can switch from eating processed food to eating real food, you're going to be doing a huge service for your health. Yeah. That's the gist of all these nutrition shows <laughs> I've been doing. Honestly, just eat real food. Yeah. Do you have a take on how important in your mind is nutrition? Because, you know, we've covered mm-hmm. exercise a bit and the stress management. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of in your mindset of improving general health, like where does that sit for you? Yeah, I think it's huge. It's huge. If you think about every, you know, your body is made up of the food that you eat. Like we are what we eat down to the cellular level. And so if you're not getting the micronutrients that you need, your body's not going to be functioning optimally. And especially when you're in a state of metabolic dysfunction or having like excessive refined carbohydrates or excessive ultra processed food, then you're really kind of hijacking your metabolism. You're not allowing it to work the way that it's supposed to. 
and that can be really detrimental. So I think especially in the cases where people are metabolically unhealthy, which is actually a majority, like here in the U.S., it's like 88% of people that don't have optimal metabolic health, so it's really the majority, is where nutrition can have a huge impact. Yeah, I got to tell you, learned a ton in the last few months just regarding metabolic health and nutrition. And I guess one of the things, once again, kind of like I feel medicine has disappointed us is I had no idea how quickly you could reverse a lot of these diseases if you fix mm-hmm. like, the way we eat. Like no idea. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like literally diabetes in weeks, hypertension yeah. in weeks. Like was this common sense to you? Like how did you discover some of this shit? I think really I discovered it a lot personally. So as I started competing at CrossFit, after a couple of years is when I really went to a more paleo diet and did sort of a 30-day real experiment of no sugar, nothing processed, like getting all the crap out of my diet. And my diet wasn't bad per se, but just take out every piece of sugar processed food. And I felt like a different person. And so it was very clear to me that within a couple of weeks, it could really change how you feel. And if you had any sort of metabolic dysfunction, that could be reversed pretty quickly, which is amazing. And I think that a lot of people don't realize, they think it's such a huge, or they focus too much on weight which sometimes weight maybe takes longer to change. But I like to think of weight more as a symptom of the metabolic dysfunction of everything that's going on. And if you get everything moving in the right direction and you give your body what it needs, the weight will eventually come off. But to reverse the actual metabolic disease can be very quick, especially if you're changing the diet, you're incorporating some things like fasting can be super powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you are, when we chatted before, you're soon to have your own clinic with your husband, correct? Like in the new year, I believe? Yes, that's the plan here in Nashville. Yeah, we just moved. And what's that going to look like? I mean, you got, (laughs) like I said, you got this amazing background of high performance, appreciation of preventative medicine. And I should preface this by saying, what would you like it to look like? Because I know this might be more challenging to execute the dream, but how's that going to look? Yeah, well, I think we realized pretty quickly, even going through our first couple years of med school and spending some time in primary care clinics, you know, a 15-minute office visit every six months is really not the best way to actually improve health. So I'd be going to these primary care clinics and I would see patients that maybe have high blood pressure or diabetes and we talk to them about exercising or changing their diet and then we'd see them six months later and nothing really had changed and maybe we'd have to increase some of their medication. But then on the flip side, in the evenings, I'm going to the CrossFit gym and I'm seeing people dramatically change their health. You know, they're losing weight, they're gaining confidence, they're coming off medications, they're doing things they never thought they could do before. And it was very eye-opening at the very stark contrast to realize, okay, you know, the toxic office is not really where we can create help. And so that was always something that was really important to both Danny and I. We didn't really feel comfortable practicing in that sort of traditional setting where we were only able to talk to patients for 15 minutes every couple of months because it just doesn't seem like the right way to actually improve people's health. So for us, we're really focused on being able to spend more time with patients to really get to know them, but also to leverage other healthcare professionals, be able to work with health coaches and dietitians, and to be able to really address these lifestyle factors with our patients and not just sort of see them every so often and prescribe medication. So that's definitely going to be the focus of our practice. Mm -hmm. I was talking to Rob Wolf about the whole health coaches aspect of things. I'm convinced that this could be a game changer for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. And if we're serious about preventative medicine and healthcare or Mm -hmm. really adding that lifestyle component, because 
whatever we're doing now, as you mentioned, is bullshit. Like we're not moving the needle at all, right? No, we're not. But like to have somebody that can assist with the behavioral science element of this, like why it's hard to say no to the Mm -hmm. bag of chips and just promote the positivity when you got some wins. I think, honestly, I don't know if we could do it without, like significantly make the change without something along those lines. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. I think having, I mean, we all need coaches, right? No matter what it is we're doing, if it's our training or our physical training, or if it's having mentors in our career or whatever, we need people to kind of show us the way and cheer us along and also help us course correct when we get off track. And so I think that's really important. And I think the power of, like I said, relationships is one of the things that I always think about too, when it comes to health, but the power of building those relationships or being able to do this in groups and that shared experience of going through this together can be really powerful too. Yeah. That community, right. Mm -hmm. As you said, that shared experience. Wow. Yeah. This is why I think it's, you know, I hope a lot of young future docs, future nurse practitioners hear this and just get motivated because honestly, I think this is the way we can create some lifelong change Mm because re-prescribing that statin is not going to cut it. Adding that second, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying if your doctor prescribes it, you got to take it. You know know what I'm saying? I'm just saying in general, if we could get to a point where we prevent that, that -hmm. would be incredible. And the impact that you can have is so much bigger, right? If you get someone that comes back in your office after they've started exercising and they've lost a bunch of weight and they're really excited about life again is amazing. And you, like, I've never seen that happen by starting someone on a statin blood pressure medicine. <laughs> oh my God, my HDL went up a couple points. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you, Doug. Oh my God. Uh, no, I definitely, I definitely hear you on that one. Yeah. And you know what, actually, we talked about too, what you're doing too, that I think is brilliant is because a lot of the stuff we're talking about within the CrossFit sphere, okay? Mm-hmm. And you teach docs CrossFit. You were teaching level, I get it, level yes. one, level one yes. CrossFit <laughs> to docs, which by the way, if Pete Shaw, if you're listening, I'll take you up on that. I, w- I definitely want to do that. Buddy. You have to do that. You yeah, absolutely. That. Yeah. And Pete's the best coach. Yeah, so it was actually pretty amazing. About two years ago, CrossFit started providing their level one seminars, which is a basic introductory seminar to CrossFit that I took, you know, where I learned about the continuum many years ago. They started offering those courses specifically for doctors. And it was a great opportunity for me because I had been on the staff teaching those seminars for a few years. And it was a great opportunity for me to be able to actually go and teach my people about CrossFit, something that I was super passionate about. And I really, really enjoyed it. And it was great to see everyone having those kind of light bulb moments themselves when you actually hear about the methodology and how so much more than just an exercise program. It's so much more than just an exercise program, but it really is about health, quality of life, and helping people to, to reach their potential. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing that I like about it too is that if the docs buy in, like think about how many people the docs can influence. Like if you've got a, a young Julie Fouché, like version 2.0, that is now starting a career. She influences her trainees, for example, the residents that are coming through and mm-hmm. seeing like she'll have some impact on them. She'll have impact on the patients that she sees. Those patients tell stories, right? Mm-hmm. And this is how we create that change. That's what we call a change yes. in the boogie. This is how we hustle and get people <laughs> excited by like talking to the people that can create influence. But yeah, and like, I mean, we kind of touched on this before. Maybe I want to just really hammer this down. Like 
Because, yeah, we said CrossFit, yes, it teaches you strength. It also, like, we talk about the value of nutrition. But there's elements in there that maybe is worth diving into a bit, too. Like, like it's also about mobility, like how to move, right? And, like, mm-hmm. how to stay, for lack of a better words, call it flexible. Because, like, yeah, you know, like, things that are important for you to stay functional, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's the word right there. Like, when we talk about CrossFit, we talk about, it has sort of three parts of the definition. There's constantly varied, so you're doing something a little bit different every day. High intensity, which is relative. So it's generally high intensity. Your heart rate's going to be up, but it's relative to the person. So what's really intense for me might be different than what's intense for the 70-year-old working out next to me, but we can both be working out together and doing something that's appropriate. I don't mean to interrupt, but that's the one thing I think is worth like echoing. You could yes. be doing it at any age of these forms of exercises because it's based on your intensity for you. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So yeah, I started to interrupt your flow, but I just had exactly. to. Exactly. No, I yeah. love that. Our, the founder of CrossFit always said the needs of Olympic athletes and our grandparents differ in degree, not kind. So we all need functional movements and we all need relatively high intensity, but it just looks, it's a different degree. It looks different for each person. But the third part is functional movements, which is what you were just touching on, which I think now people hear about functional movements all the time. But even 10 years ago when I started, it wasn't something that was talked about as much. But it's just this idea that you're moving your body the way that it was designed to move, right? You're doing this full range of motion squat that you see when you see your two-year-old squatting on the ground. Like they know how to do it. No one has to teach them how to do it. It's something that our body was designed for. But a lot of us, as we grow up in the world, we forget how to do those things. Mm -hmm. We sit in chairs and we're not able to get in those positions anymore. Or being able to lift something up off the ground like a deadlift or put something up over your head and put it on a shelf like a press. It's being able to mimic those movements that life is going to demand from you and making sure that you have capacity there to do them. Because the minute that you can't do these anymore, if you can't squat, you can't get up out of a chair or off the toilet by yourself, that means you need some assistance doing your daily activities. Or if you can't do a burpee, you can't get yourself up off the ground if you fall, then you're in real trouble living on your own. So the goal is just to make sure that we build capacity in these functional movements so that we can be independent and we can continue doing the things that we want to do even as we get older. Yeah. The one thing in my personal life that I fully started to appreciate was the mobility part. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. put a personally, like, I can still barely put a bar behind my back, my, like my shoulders. Oh jump. yeah. It takes time. It takes oh my time. God. But it's just stuff that, you know, like, as you said, like when you're 80, you want to be able to put that jar on that top yeah. shelf. Like, you know, like, yeah. it's, I think that's a very important element to emphasize. I mean, there's a lot of benefits from the approach, the CrossFit mm-hmm. approaches. This is a very selfish conversation, but I just have to ask this. Yeah. Julie, it's like you competed with a torn Achilles. Was it 2014? <laughs> 2015, yeah. 2015, yeah. sorry. 2015. We talked about this a bit in the beginning, but mindset. I've always been envious of this. Like how you got, like, where do you find the juice? Where do you find the, not just energy, the drive? Like, because once again, these, I personally think our society is a bit, any adversity is too much right now. Like we're just not very resilient right now. And so, one of the key lessons, I, like when I see you competing, like I saw the video on YouTube, we'll show links in the show notes. <laughs> I was like, I was so proud. Like, I'm like, <laughs> competing with a boot on, okay? <laughs> but what's the mindset? Where do you find the, I call it the juice, I'm the hustle. Like, 
Where's that coming from? And what are you thinking in these moments? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really go back to like, to me, it's just crazy how it all played out. Like, I don't think, you know, just the, the life experiences that you have up until that point that then allow you to react in a certain way. Like, it was actually my last year of competing and I knew that was going to be my last season because I had to go back and jump into clinicals at med school. And this was the regional competition, so the qualifying competition to games. And I tore my Achilles right in the middle of the competition in front of everybody and was super devastated because, you know, I knew that's the end of my CrossFit Games career. This is how it's going to end. It was really sad. But luckily, the very next event was a handstand walk. And the event organizers came over and they said, Julie, are you going to do the handstand walk? And I was like, well, I mean, I don't really have an excuse. Like, I don't really need my Achilles to walk on my hand. So I was like, sure, I guess I'll do it. And it's crazy how even before that, I've been training with my gymnastics coaches. I've been doing a lot of handstand walks with ankle weights on. So I was really used to being able to walk with that boot on. It wasn't really anything new for me. And it was just such a magical moment, like with the CrossFit community being there to kind of lift me up when I was going through a hard time. And it really is like beautiful because that's what happens in every CrossFit gym. Like when someone's struggling on something or they're trying to learn something new, like the whole rest of the community gets behind them. And I felt that in such a powerful way during that experience. So it was really very sad moment, but then also one of the more powerful moments of my life too. Wow. And yeah, you could feel the energy in the crowd. Like yeah. everyone, like it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, hard not to well up when watching that actually. It was amazing. Yeah. I still have people that come, like that were there that I'll meet later on and they'll be like, oh yeah, I was in the crowd and like I was crying. It, it was a powerful moment. Wow. I love it. I love it. Julie, this has been tremendous. So many mm-hmm. lessons, so many insights. I'm actually feeling inspired to lift something heavy right now. (laughs) As I mentioned, athlete, podcaster, you got the Pursuing Health podcast, which has been killing it. I'm telling everybody here right now to subscribe. Tell us where we could find you. Tell us, actually, even tell us a little bit about the podcast, because I think our listeners would really enjoy what you guys throw down. Sure. Yeah. So I started the podcast actually right after I tore my Achilles, <laughs> right after that, I knew that my I was done competing and I just wanted a way to kind of stay in contact with the CrossFit community. And I really love that format, the, you know, the one-on-one interview format. I just like having real meaningful conversations with people. And I felt like through my years competing in CrossFit, I had met so many amazing people and I wanted to be able to share their stories, and their expertise with a wider audience. So it started off a lot about fitness, like lots of CrossFit athletes and lots of fitness experts. And then as I evolved through my career of medicine and residency, I started to incorporate a lot more health content. So now, you know, I'll interview researchers or doctors or other health experts about other topics too. So it's been really, really fun. It's been probably one of the coolest things I've done and I really enjoy it. Yeah. And like, I've been a fan in the last few weeks, you and Danny, when you guys talk about summarizing some of the like medical material, like I believe, I think one of the ones I did was on sleep. Mm Y'all were just like full of knowledge. It's nice and concise. (laughs) Well, thank you. Guys. And where can they find the podcast? Yeah. So it's just called Pursuing Health on any podcast platform or pursuing-health.com. Yes. Julie, thank you so much for doing this. You are amazing. 
you can come on this show anytime you want. I know we're going to be connecting again soon. Oh, we definitely will. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to get you over on Pursuing Health, so maybe your listeners can come listen to you there. Oh, anytime. You name the time and the place, we're ready to go. <laughs> I love it. Thanks again for doing this. Awesome. Thank you. Quadcast Nation, that was epic. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to follow us, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Quadcast. Leave any comments at Quadcast99 at gmail.com. Check out our Low Carb Summit. Check out our Resilience Summit. Links are in the show notes. We're trying to change that boogie, y'all. And once again, thanks for listening. We're about a year deep into the show and it's changed the world for me and our team. Your comments have been glorious. Thank you so much. And we'll tune in again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.